Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Church of Roy, an armchair all-American podcast. Warning, today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve DeWall. Welcome, everybody, to an off-season edition of the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, as always, Blazer's Edge Associate Editor Steve DeWald. I'm joined by Brian Wilcox, who we're, we're coming to you this beautiful Sunday morning. It has been a whirlwind uh, 40, 48 to 72 hours in Portland uh, after they exited the postseason. Uh, Brian, how are you feeling this morning? Have you slept? Have you come to any conclusions? Have you wrapped your head around what we're, we're up against for the rest of this offseason? Short answer is no. Um, <laughs> it's been a wild couple days. I'm a, it's been literally a whirlwind, man. Can't remember this much um, uncertainty in Rip City in a long time. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen it like this. I I mean, obviously, there was a lot of uncertainty when LaMarcus Aldridge was headed towards free agency, but up until kind of that final hour, the assumption was that LaMarcus was going to come back and the team was going to be maybe slightly constructed differently. But really, this is the most I, I foresee the most upheaval from an organizational standpoint all the way down to the roster I, I don't think we've ever kind of had the table set like this so right off the top Friday night in a total news dump which we all kind of saw it coming the Blazers are not yeah. are kind of known for this but uh the report is that Terry Stotts and the Blazers agreed to part ways uh as anybody who's been through a breakup agreed to part ways isn't always a a <laughs> uh, a two-way street i would assume uh it was most likely from the blazers side uh terry stotts nine years as a head coach here in portland uh, one of the winningest all-time coaches in blazers history yep. made the postseason all but one of those uh seasons did exit the first round in five of those trips. So it's uh, it, the writing was kind of on the wall that, it, you know, it's Lillard's prime. That said, I, I think history is going to remember the Stotts era 
kindly. I think it's it's been too in our face right now as far as the disappointment from the last couple of seasons. But I think when we look back at this decade of basketball, Terry Stotts will always be tied to Damian Lillard's early mm-hmm. portion of his career. Uh, a really a whole era of stability. Granted, some of it bordered on mediocrity, but it was a very stable run of Blazers era that that we've 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 seen a couple times, but this is definitely one of the most steady ones as far as the main faces that we've seen. Brian, what are you going to remember about the Stotts era before we kind of get into some other things? Sure. To me, man, I think you know he's just always tied to Dame, like you mentioned, like those nine years and bridging the Lamarcus to Dame era and everything they accomplished. He had a really good run. Um, I think I'll look back on it and. It's a little bittersweet, right? I think mm-hmm. that some of those teams he could have probably got a little more out of, but um, he was a big part of keeping the organization in the playoffs for was it nine straight years, eight straight years, and so eight, yeah, yeah, eight straight years. And so I don't know, man. I'll miss uh, Terry. I always thought that looking at Terry Stotts on the sideline was like looking at a drunk dude trying to act sober. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always going to really miss that that expression that Terry brought yeah. to the sideline. Yeah, yeah. But, we've but all no. been there, man. We've oh, all yeah. been oh, yeah. we've all been on the boat on on in the summer, and we maybe are way more drunk than people realize. But you're just going to play it cool, buddy. The Stotts expression. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I think I'll miss the guy. Honestly, I think he represented the franchise well and had some. You know, he, he accomplished some great things, but, I, you know, we were ready for a change. It's time yeah. for him to go, and and uh, I'm excited to see what Portland Suds do next. Hey, guys, this is Producer Perry, and I want to talk to you about an awesome app that we've been using here on the Church of White called Locker Room. It is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, you can talk to Steve, Brian, lots of other insiders and athletes, including Andre Iguodala and Bam Adebayo. It is free to use on all iOS devices, including your iPhone, your iPad, and all things like that. Guys, it's been a blast being able to talk to all of you and communicate uh, in just a different way, a different avenue to, to get our points and perspectives across. So all you have to do is go to your iOS app store and download the Locker Room app for free. I, I think for me, kind of my final thoughts first thoughts is this i think when you look at what he was able to do when he had two bona fide all-stars on this team he played some of the most competitive basketball in the entire league they were Mm -hmm. one of the best regular season teams they they earned home court advantage they were legitimate title contenders until wesley matthews blows out his Achilles and and then, you know, LaMarcus leaves the following off season. When he got to play his style of basketball, the free flowing style that was inside and outside with Damian Lillard and LaMarcus Aldridge, it was some of the best basketball we've seen. Some of the most entertaining basketball we've seen. And that just kind of got derailed down the road to where this team, unfortunately due to injuries and poor roster construction had to really pivot into a very Dame centric style and something you brought up on the last podcast more often than not, you know, Terry Stotts is forced to rely on guys like Carmelo Anthony and his canter. Some of these guys that really, if you're looking to be a top team in the West, you just can't do. 
I wish Terry Stotts the best moving forward. And it sounds like it's going to be a pretty quick turnaround for the old ball coach. I, it sounds like the magic have expressed interest yep. and the Pacers have also expressed interest. So I think those are two great fits, both franchises. I think Terry Stotts is perfectly capable of taking those teams to the next level and getting them into the postseason and potentially, you know, moving up higher from there. I'm happy for the guy, man. I, I hope he gets a head coach job soon and, you know, wish him nothing but the best. He He's definitely part of Blazers history and for better or worse, anyway. So, so with that said, we get this fucking traveling circus of a coaching search that's going on right now in, oh in Portland. And it is, you know, we're driving behind the dude in Mario Kart that has like every box he hits, he gets bananas. Cause it's like, it's just slide, 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 slide. It's crazy. So the names we've heard so far consistently are Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd. We've, uh, Wojnowski also included Mike D'Antoni and Jeff Van Gundy, not Stan Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy guy who hasn't coached since I was uh, pounding beers at Portland state. So <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, not a very inspiring list. I want to get it out of the way real quick. Chauncey Billis and Jason Kidd have some very unsavory things about their past. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to leave it at that with them. I, I think, yes, there is a path to rehabilitation in all our lives, but domestic abuse and, and sexual assault survivors, that's something people carry with them every day. We are a couple of white dudes on this podcast, so I am not going to try to gaslight or, or mansplain any of this. I will say it, it means something to survivors of those to see people promoted and consistently make their way up and, continue to live their life without consequence. Not saying that either of these guys have re not repented or, or tried to rehabilitate and see the flaws in their ways. But I just think there's 30 head coaching jobs in the NBA is an elite class. You are the face of a franchise. And sometimes you just don't get to do that. If you've made serious, serious mistakes and done some have huge character flaws in your past. I, I just don't think you get to operate in one of those positions. So yeah. Brian, with that, I'll oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, for me, I'm much more comfortable and just kind of listening to other perspectives. And mm -hmm. when it comes to those two guys, that certainly problematic past. And sometimes, you know, you do need to put yourself in a, in a spot where you just listen to people who might have a little different perspective or yeah. more perspectives than you do. So that's kind of where I sit too, Stu. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it would be a disservice to all our listeners, and, and really for me and Brian and my. I, uh, just us as people to to not listen to those other perspectives and, and listen to survivors listen to the people who have dealt with monsters like this in their past and, and learn from them because those are the people that they're going to help you grow as a person and help you understand the situation better mm -hmm. now that said who are some guys that you're surprised that weren't on the list as far as some of these initial reports now it sounds like after kind of that 24 hour blunder of everything they did kind of just blew up in their face. It sounds like they're going to conduct a full coaching search. 
is is there anything is there anybody that you expect to enter that coaching search that wasn't mentioned in this initial kind of release in the last couple of days mm-hmm. i'm a little surprised that uh vanderpool david vanderpool didn't get a little more a little more noise um I'm a little surprised that Ime Udoka didn't get a little little noise. I think he's a guy who, you know, was kind of a hot shot candidate there for a while. Um, but his name's just kind of tailed off for whatever reason. Um, yeah. and also Becky Hammond was someone I thought would pop yeah. up. She's a pretty hot name in coaching circles right now, and that'd be a really huge hire in the NBA. And so I'm, you know, coming from the pop coaching tree and you know her Absolutely solid background. I'm, I was a little surprised not to hear Becky Hammond pop up a little more as well. Yeah, I, I think it's important to mention Becky Hammond in relation to M.A. Udoka because I think that might tell the story to some insight on why we're not seeing Becky Hammond included on this list for Portland. And that is, like you said, M.A. Udoka was one of the hottest names in coaching circles, you know, 18, 24 months ago. Mm-hmm. Then you see Becky Hammond's rise through the San Antonio system, and you see all these top candidates, which Udoka was in the Spurs system, Tim Duncan in the Spurs system, Brent Berry also in the Spurs system, still there, but now in a front office position. You see these guys vacate that organization, and I think that is a clear indication that Becky Hammond is the heir to Pop's throne Mm. in San Antonio. And, And I really wonder if teams are just they know that and they're and they're not going to disrupt what might be going on in San Antonio and it's very clear that Becky Hammond has been set up for success in, in San Antonio and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some, some league pressure as far as if you want to I'm not saying that a woman needs any help in, in a situation like this but the foundation is set it's a very stable franchise I would hate to see Becky Hammond come to a situation in Portland where it is a very high pressure situation I would I don't want to wish this upon any first year coach yeah where where they could really run into obstacles and the and the issue with Becky Hammond is you could see her burst through that glass ceiling only to fall back down and have it sealed over you know, women candidates arbitrarily going forward by no fault of her own. And it it would not be fair. I want to make that very clear, but it is a risk. I mean, we still as a society have to make strides moving forward. Makes a lot of of sense. Just, you know, the way you outlined it with her basically being lined up for the San Antonio gig long-term. I think that's the bottom line. I don't think, you know, yeah, but really, just looking at that big picture, she does make the most sense as as Pop's heir apparent, and that's probably where she'll stay, yeah. which is a great situation for her. Mm-hmm. And I think she's going to be a hell of a coach. I, do too. I think she's she's earned the respect of everybody in that locker room, and I think she has a great mind for basketball, and she's got to follow in Pop's footsteps as well. Yep. Um, as far as names, I was surprised not to see on the list. Vanderpool is interesting, mainly because. Dame comes out with his list and, you know, after all the noise CJ and Dame made when there was a coaching change in Minnesota earlier this year, for them not – for Dame not to mention Vanderpool on that list is kind of surprising to me. Absolutely. Yep. So, the other name I, I think is Dave Yeager. It was on the initial report kind of from uh, Hollins in The Athletic, you know, a few months ago. We had a podcast about it. Mm-hmm. I'm inter- I, I'm – I was really surprised not to see him included in the list at all. Also, Kenny Atkinson is another name that I figured we might be, we might see on the list. Yep. Uh, 
Jaeger is a really interesting name for me just because, and we'll get to it a little later in the show, is I, I think if you're looking for an ideal coach to come in and get the most out of Yusuf Nurkic, I think it is Dave Jaeger. If you look at his track record of who he has coached in that center spot, you have Marcus Gasol, you have DeMarcus Cousins, you have Zach Randolph in the post. It's a pretty impressive list of guys, and Nurkic has a lot of overlap as far as his skill set goes with you know a few guys on that list. That said, I, I appreciate John, Jonathan Sharks of the Ringer reached out, and we were kind of talking about uh, you know a few options. And something he did mention was Damian Lillard has never had, or Dave Yeager has never had a player of Damian Lillard's level on one of his rosters that he's coached. Uh, it would be a first-time experience for him trying to navigate, you know, a national mm-hmm. brand and a superstar like Damian Lillard. And really for Damian Lillard, this is going to be his second coach ever in the NBA. And, and there could be some, some friction in a relationship like that. And in a high-pressure situation, it might not be the year for those two guys to learn how to interact on a, on a scale like that. Is there, I mean, do you have any similar reservations for Dave Yeager or were you not surprised not to see his name? I don't know. He kind of sounds like – I think Portland's looking to make a splash. Um, I think Dave Yeager's probably the, one of the safer choices out there. Um, you know, with, with this being such a critical time as far as Dame's career, I, I think they're going to try to go bigger and do something a little flashier, splashier uh, than, than Dave Yeager. Um, so I'm personally not too shocked – to not see his name out there. I think Dame's narrative is really going to drive a lot of this or kind of what <clears throat> they have to appease Dame, keep him around as long as possible. And so I don't think Dave Yeager's exactly <laughs> a name that gets Dame excited. All if, right. I, if I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other two names that, that we'll talk about real quickly. I think, I don't think we got to spend a lot of time on Jeff Van Gundy. Any thoughts that, do you think that is a real coaching option or do you think that was just a, a nice little mention for the old ball coach in one of these rumors? I like a nice little mention. I don't think he's leaving ESPN no. at this point. Kind of feels a little Gruden, Gruden-ish. Yeah, like yeah. You'd have to give him, you'd have to hit him with a huge offer. And I kind of wonder if his reputation now is, you know, as a pretty solid analyst, in my opinion, has kind of surpassed the actual, his actual track record as a coach. And so yeah. I, I don't, I don't see him coming back. Just a completely different era of basketball too. Mm-hmm. And we've seen some, I mean, I think Gruden is important to bring up here because we, there's some serious growing pains going on in Las Vegas right now with that Raiders team and the setup they have there. And we'll see how it goes because <laughs> Gruden was kind of on the cutting edge of, of football when he coached. Van Gundy was not. He was very defensive-oriented <laughs> coach, and now you put a decade of non-activity in there. I, I don't think that's a recipe for success. You can really draw a lot of parallels between you know the NFL moving towards a much more pass-happy league and the NBA much more three-point happy league, and yeah. it really is a whole different era. And so I don't see Van Gundy being a strong option or even really a real possibility. But yeah. I, I don't think we have any disagreement there. Now, Ma- Mike D'Antoni, initially I just dismissed it completely. But I will give a shout-out to, to Kevin Pelton of ESPN, put together a very solid piece yesterday about you know teams that try to adjust, uh, address their output imbalance with a coaching change. So 
obviously the Blazers have are this had the second worst defensive rating in the NBA, the second best offensive rating. Conventional wisdom would say, hey, hire a defensive minded coach, get that number up, and, and you know you're off to the races. Actually, history shows us that that very rarely works, and that sometimes it's almost better to lean into your strengths. And I can't think of a better person to lean into an offensive strengths and, you know, defense be damned than Mike D'Antoni. I don't know. It's not like I, I've really come around on Mike D'Antoni in the last 24 hours. And I need you to talk me back down because I, that, I think that I'm, out there, I'm out there. I'm out there on the fringe on this one. I feel like, so what's, what's your thoughts on Mike D'Antoni? And, and do you think he's a legitimate candidate? No, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so fucking sick of this team not playing any defense. <laughs> I do not want Mike D'Antonio. I literally like I saw his name and I was just like, oh, really? So, <laughs> the second worst defensive team in the league last year. Let's just bring on Mike D'Antonio, who by all accounts just doesn't even practice defense. Like clearly doesn't. If, if there's a guy who doesn't give a shit about defense more than Terry Stoss, it's Mike D'Antonio. We're gonna bring that guy on. I'm like, come on, dude. I'm, as a fan base, I, I'm was, all for it, man. Let's just fuck it. We don't gotta no, worry about defense. No, dude, I cannot do it. I like I. One of the only reasons I'm happy that probably the only reason that I'm I wouldn't say happy, but that I'm not completely distraught that Portland's out of the playoffs is that I don't have to watch dog shit perimeter defense for another four games. <laughs> I guess it would be five games. And so my point is, I just cannot fathom bringing. I like Mike D'Antoni. I, I like the guy. I think, you know, those Phoenix teams were awesome. I think he got kind of a, those Rockets teams were fun. I just can't, I just can't get there with him, man. This team needs, this team needs a new coach, but it's not him. I I see what you're saying. And I, I agree with you for the most part. I do think it's a fun thought exercise though, as far as, you know, this is really kind of the same conundrum that the Rockets faced in 2016, as far as, what they were going to do moving forward with a team built around James Harden and were they going to lean into defense instead they pivot into offense and really get right to the top of the mountain you know some injury stuff goes differently with Chris Paul that you know they could be off to the races and into the finals facing you know a less than ideal less than ideally constructed Cavaliers team I I like I said, I think Mike D'Antoni's just a little too old and a little too one-sided as far as his output to be a serious contender for what we want to do in Dame's, you know, kind of last stretch of his prime here. Yeah. Well, and where, and where can you really go? You know, like there's only incremental improvements you can make offensively, in my opinion. You know, when you're already a top five offense, mm-hmm. the the low-hanging fruit is a, is to improve on defense and get to that middle of the league you know, league average defense and while maintaining the same offensive output is the way to become a serious playoff team. It's mm-hmm. it's not to go from number five or whatever Portland finished up to number one in offense while continuing to have a dog shit. Defense Look, man, you bring in Dan Tony, you bring in Jim Boylan to revamp the defense before the start <laughs> of the season. <laughs> No, I, that worked I, so well last offseason. Yeah, exactly. I so outside of the coaching search in general, I think we've covered the main names that we've seen kind of come up and some of the ideas of, of teams that we've or names that we could potentially see down the road. 
There is one name that's out there that obviously is on everybody's wish list. And it leads us into, we kind of left Jawan Howard out of this conversation. And I think they, these two play into each other is I think everybody in Portland would love to see Eric Spolstra in Portland, but I just don't see it happening. I don't know why the heat would make that move. I don't know why Spolstra would want out of the situation he's in to leave a very secure situation where he has a very good relationship with Pat Riley to come to Portland to a very high pressure situation. Yes, it would be coming home. Yes, he would probably be the highest paid coach in the league. Yes, he would get to coach Damian Lillard, but there's just so many other factors mm-hmm. that, that I just don't see. And one is why the Miami Heat, unless it was just a godfather type offer where you're talking about giving assets up to get a coach where it's when the asset cupboard is already kind of running low, you need those to, to, yeah. to build a roster around Dame. That said, if you can't get Eric Spolstra, I think Jawan Howard is is a viable option, which like like Chauncey Billups and, and well, not necessarily like, but for me, I like have this thing where I have to look up coaching candidates and you know really do my research because the Billups thing caught me off guard. But same, yep. There there was some stuff with with Jawan Howard in the past as far as there was an allegation with him and Chris Weber. It was dismissed, never went to court. Juwan Howard actually filed a countersuit against the the accuser and mm-hmm. won a defamation suit. Uh, so I would say that's definitely a much more clearer picture than even Chauncey Billups, which was a rape allegation that was settled out of court. Sure. That said, that all out of the way. Basketball-wise, Juwan Howard spent really spent the majority of his time as a coach in the Heat system. <clears throat> if you can't get Spolstra, you get the next best thing as a guy who is very much in tune with the heat culture and how Pat Riley conducted himself there. I think Juwan Howard is a special type player just because he is a player who, who decided to sign with Portland. He played one season Mm -hmm. with the Blazers. Yes, it was near the end of his career, but he had other options. He decided to come to Portland. So that could be an, could be a selling point to get free agents to come here and also convince guys to resign here. He's a guy personally who made that decision himself it's been over a decade, but he definitely is familiar with the lay of the land here in Portland. Um, I, he's kind of a blank slate as far as what he would do basketball-wise, but I would assume he would be a, a player-friendly coach. And, and I think Portland would probably have to make a pretty sweet deal to get him out of Michigan because he's at his alma mater. He's in an ideal job. But I think he would be a super interesting NBA coach, and I think he checks a lot of boxes for what the Blazers would want. Yeah, popping back to Spolster, I think if you could pick one coach on the planet <laughs> to run this team, I think Spolster would be the guy. But I just cannot see him leaving, you know, to your point that it might take assets. And Portland needs to use every asset, its availability to improve the roster um, while Dame's still on board mm-hmm. instead of the coaching staff. So, um, unfortunately, don't see it, but would love to see him on the sidelines of Portland. I think Jawan Howard's a super interesting um option you know his his uh kind of like meteoric rise to like you know what he's done in a short period of time with michigan's been super interesting um you noted his portland backgrounds you know really interesting i could see him i think it's only a matter of time before the guy is an nba coach mm-hmm. and so maybe portland trying to you know take i think it's a little early for him yep but you know maybe there is some upside there in trying to pluck him now rather than um, you know, a few years down the road when maybe there are more teams clamoring for him. 
Hey guys, this is Producer Perry, and I want to talk to you about an awesome app that we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Locker Room. It is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, you can talk to Steve, Brian, lots of other insiders and athletes, including Andre Iguodala and Bam Adebayo. It is free to use on all iOS devices, including your iPhone, your iPad, and all things like that. Guys, it's been a blast being able to talk to all of you and communicate uh, in just a different way, a different avenue to, to get our points and perspectives across. So all you have to do is go to your iOS app store and download the Locker Room app for free. And I, I think I agree with you that it might be a little early for, for him to come here. And I, it's not because I don't believe in his coaching ability, but I also think he has done so much to mend fences from that Fab Five era in Michigan. I mean, now you're seeing Jalen Rose back in the arena for the first time at Michigan. I, I think Chris Weber is knocking on the door of making a return and really mm-hmm. – Juwan Howard is the conduit to that. And, yep. and I think if he is able to stay there a little longer, I think they re rehab that entire relationship that separated it. And that group becomes, you know, really just a concrete part, not only in popular culture, but, but in that school's history as part of their, their history, their foundation and a selling point for their basketball program. Mm-hmm. So Outside of the candidates, and this is where I was going before I got sidetracked. No worries. Is we're kind of seeing this power struggle play out. So I don't think it's any any mistake that we see Wojnarowski, who has who's typically been a a solid representative of what Neil Olshay's thought process has been in Portland. Usually, if Woj is saying it and it's about the Blazers, it's usually right from the man himself. Um. So Woj comes out with this list and then not more than like 10 minutes later, Lillard uses his, you know, media conduit in Chris Haynes and comes out with, with his Jason Kidd rep- uh, re- request and, and recommendation. And then it kind of gets kind of walked back a little bit about 20 minutes after that, where Jason quick and Shams Charania come out with another list for Dame that includes Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups. Mm-hmm. I I don't think it's a mistake that both of these lists came out so quickly together. What what are your thoughts on how this is going to play out and, and who has the most influence in this coaching search? This is wild, man. I think I think you can't understate how crazy it is for general manager to literally come out with his list via Woj and then your star player to come out with, you know, complete mm-hmm. other list or through Haynes. Um if you're in Portland, you have to prioritize your star. Olshay is replaceable. Lillard is not. And so um, just and, – and this is, you know, Lillard's names aside. Um, I'm not taking his side on his, on his options that he threw out there by any means. I'm just saying as a – as looking at viewpoints, you have to take Lillard's side in this. And I don't know – have we seen anything like this in the NBA – but you can remember not being this public and granted yeah. definitely not in Portland and really the last time Portland had a coaching search like this, it, it you know, it, the media landscape is completely different. Yep. Um, I can't remember if it was that there's always been some discussion of when LeBron, a LeBron team is getting a new coach, whether it's, you know, yeah, that's a good point. The David Blatt, Tyron Lou, like so a lot of those guys, I remember there being some scuttlebutt around those guys, but yep. really you, you also have to remember that this is the first time, I mean, outside of Terry Stotts, which was the last time, 
the Blazers typically don't sign guys or, or fire coaches in the offseason. Usually it's an in-season removal. And, and really, outside of Stotts, it goes all the way back to Rick Adelman. So mm-hmm. it's uh, typically we don't see this. So not only is it you know a power structure here where you have Neil O'Shea, who has to be feeling the heat. You have Damian Lillard, who clearly wants to maximize his prime years which brings me to my next point is Damian Lillard had clearly frustrated that game five would frustrate anybody drops 55 points Blazers still lose they go out and get eliminated in game six not really a surprise to anybody yes the them surrendering that lead was rough in game six but really mm-hmm. not a surprise after game five um <laughs> and then after the game, he releases uh, an Instagram post featuring some lyrics <laughs> from Nipsey Hussle. I think this is the closest we've seen to where Lillard is really at least, I don't think he's really trying to force his way out this summer, but I think he is laying the foundation to pivot to that type of request. Is mm-hmm. is that also what you're seeing? Yeah, I'd agree with you, man. I, I think that he really planted the seeds though in that Chris Haynes article um, you know, three quarters of the way through the season or so when it talked about essentially Dame not having enough help and, and some of the moves that Portland made over the years and, and him being on a bit of an island. I think that was really the, um, I guess, kind of the catalyst a lot of this. And this is more just kind of staying on brand with that Haynes article that came out earlier in the year. I, I don't think he's going to ask out anytime soon. Um, you know, knock on wood, hopefully ever. But um, to me, this is just... I think he's just kind of trying to shake it up and he's clearly frustrated with how the season ended and who wouldn't be right. I know I fucking am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh it was extremely disheartening. I, uh, I, I think the Blazers should have beat that Nuggets team without Jamal Murray. I mean, I know Nikola Jokic is an MVP, but just from what Portland had, what their payroll is, what their expectation is with Dame in mm. his prime. That one hurt, man. It's uh, it's on par with the Pelicans mm-hmm. series for me. Might be, um, might be worse. I think it might frankly. be worse too. Honestly, I'm still going back and forth on what won't hurt most. Yeah, um, I feel like I'm still processing, man. It was just a tough, yeah. tough series. Hey, man, kicking the nuts is a kick in the nuts, my friend. Some some are worse, <laughs> but but <laughs> but they both suck. <laughs> so, um, outside of Dame. Yusuf Nurkic also had some very interesting comments after the game. Yes, he did. And I have some very different feel. I can I can understand Damian Lillard's frustration. So basically, shout out to Mike Richmond, the the past first point guard, asking mm-hmm. the best question maybe of the entire year in post game pressers. Asked Nurk, does he want to be here next year? Nurk outlines that he wants to be in the right situation moving forward. And he doesn't know if this is the right situation here in Portland. He would like to see a bigger role. He wanted a bigger role from the start of this year. And I can't remember what else he said, but basically there's some uncertainty with his contract, which I do see from him, typically blazers who have non-guaranteed money on their contract going into the final year Mm -hmm. are usually the guys that get traded. This is Rodney hood. This is Trevor Ariza, you know, you can you can run this list back a little bit. What do you make of Nurk's comments and 
I mean, how do you navigate uh, kind of the the dueling realities in his con in his comments? Xerxes, I think we've all worked with like that guy who <laughs> takes long breaks, <laughs> like, and then talks about how underpaid he is. You know, mm-hmm. like it doesn't work that hard, but then bitches about how he doesn't get paid enough. Nurk might be that guy in the workplace. I, I don't know. He's been, you know, to his credit, he's ex- he's been extremely important to Portland's success. Um, as he goes, Portland goes. But this whole role, um, you know, complaining about the role took me off guard a little bit. Um, I think that the guy's a little tired of covering up for Dame and CJ's defensive liabilities game after game he probably does want more shots i can kind of empathize with that a little bit but when you show up out of shape when you you know miss as much time as he has when you rack up fouls in bunches in the most crucial moments of the season you can't come out and bitch about your role yeah yeah that's where i'm at like to think like I was like, oh, okay, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Then he's like, I wanted a bigger role from the start of the season. Well, it's like, look, I know you're going through some shit. The The pandemic's been hard on everybody. It, a lot of people have lost loved ones. But, like, mm-hmm. if you're focused on getting a bigger role, show up in shape. Like, it was completely unacceptable how he showed up to training camp. Yeah. And And then to say, you know, like you said, I want a bigger role. Well, it's like the Blazers can't plan to run their offense through you or, or run more offense through you when, you know, your track record does not indicate that you're going to be available for most of the regular season. I mean, just plain and simple. I know a lot of that's out of his control, mm-hmm. but the guy has run into injury after injury, shown up out of shape. I mean, even when he was traded here, I mean, it was a big focus on getting him down to a playable and sustainable weight. So yeah. I just don't, I just don't buy it. Well, even when he is available, right, he hasn't always been mm-hmm. a guy you can count on just from a mental standpoint. I think yep. that for me, his behavior and actions in those last two playoff games, I'm on I'm on the side of the fence pretty much totally that we need to find another option at center. That is not a guy you can rely on, somebody who picks up stupid fouls. Um, again, I don't want to – act like I know what was going through his head, but some of his actions certainly seemed like a guy who kind of quit on the team. Yep. And to me, you have to explore other options anyway. And so unfortunately that might've just drove his trade value down (laughs) a little bit, which sucks, but yeah, I don't know, man. I think I might be over the Nurkic experience. What about you? Yeah. I think I, I think we kind of saw the writing on the wall when he went to rich Paul and change his agency and you know the Blazers moved off of their other Rich Paul player this season when they traded Gary Trent Jr. to the Matt to the Raptors good point um I I think his time with the Blazers is coming to a close I I would say this and I don't know if it's a hot take I would say I am more. I think we're more likely to see Yusuf Nurkic moved in the off season than we are CJ McCollum. Now I think CJ McCollum will get moved, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like the difference is, is you can trade Yusuf Nurkic and go find a center off the scrap heap. The Blazers have done it before, or you can massage a move to get a center. 
mm-hmm. you know, they're out there. They're available. Look at like Daniel Gafford in, in Washington this year. You know, basically a throw in in a trade turns out to be he could be a foundational piece for the Wizards moving forward. Um, the Blazers really need to get something in return for CJ McCollum. It can't just be a, a salary dump or, or, you know, you get a bunch of young guys or, or a damaged contract. They need to get a useful piece for CJ McCollum. I don't think they need to do that with Yusuf Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic might be the trade that addresses depth, future assets, or or a reclamation project, or a combination, and some combination of all three of those things. I I think he's gone. Be I think he is the prime candidate of the day before the draft trade. I, I think he's he's that guy. And the Blazers have made that move a couple off seasons in a row now. Mm-hmm. from getting us on white side to trading Trevor Reza for Robert Covington all happened, you know, 24, 48 hours before the draft. I think Yusuf Nurkic is the next in the line of that type of move. I'm a little surprised to hear you say that you think McCollum's I'm just whipping all the way back to early. <laughs> I'm a little surprised to hear you say you think McCollum's going to be gone. Um, that's probably a topic for another, another pod. Yeah. We have a little more time to fully flesh that out, but with that contract and, after that performance, I really don't know who the hell is going to want to take that on. But yeah. I uh, I agree with you with Nurik. I think that that's a super easy contract move. And the guy's still got talent. He's just mm-hmm. hasn't really shown the consistency and um, mental fortitude. I think you need to be a very good player in the NBA for a long time. So I'd be curious to see what his market looks like. But I think without a doubt, you can – they can and will move in this offseason is my prediction. Yeah, I think for me, I think the Celtics are near the top of the list of the team that I would look at uh, for a Yusuf Nurkic type trade. They, they have been on the hunt for a big man and they have some pieces that could come back to Portland. Uh, I'd love to get Marcus Smart, but I think I don't know mm. how you make that trade work. But that, that is a name I watch. And, and not to kind of me and Perry were talking about it before we went live. Uh, there is a report out that, that just went – we aggregated it on Blazer's Edge this morning. Uh, a couple early suitors have ar- are, are rumored to have popped up for C.J. McCollum uh, already this offseason as far as the Spurs, the Cavs, the Heat, and the Clippers. And the Clippers is dependent on what happens in the postseason if they look to move Paul George and – the heat is more likely if they're unable to reach a, a long-term agreement with Jimmy Butler. Wow. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's news to your boy. Yeah. So I think that is, I think that is, this is the first time I really remember ever seeing a suitors list for CJ McCollum. So maybe, maybe the tides are changing a little bit. I, I think if we're ever going to see it, I, I think the pressure is on Neil O'Shea to make that move, to make a big move. And really, CJ McCollum seems to be the most likely piece to be moved. How hard are you rooting for the Mavericks? <laughs> I want to I w- see. I would be rooting for the Mavericks. I would be rooting for the Mavericks no matter what. And the reason I bring that up, you know, if the Clippers fall in the first round again, Perry brought this up on locker room uh, yesterday morning. Paul George would be a nice little trade option, oh, I think. Yeah, I mean. I could I the the idea of a Damian Lillard, Norman Powell, Paul George lineup is mouthwatering. Like that is a oh, super yeah. interesting group of guys to to put together on the floor at the same time. Um 
that said, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, just there's, in the next... there's just like so much to talk about. Oh, right? and, and like, you know, and that's a, the it's a wild time in Rip City right now. Yeah. And so, I and that's the beauty of it. I think this is something we're going to be really taking these single topics and, and blowing them open on this mm-hmm. show throughout the off season, and we're going to try to get some some different guests in here some different voices in here to, to talk about every everything here and this is going to be a bonus episode we are going to have our normal weekly episode later this week um and, and we will adjust going forward it's just been too long for us not to talk with with some of the coaching stuff that's gone on yeah. um just looking forward to the next couple weeks and, and this will we'll leave it at this how fast do you think the Blazers will fill this coaching position? Do you think it's going to happen in the next two weeks, or do you think it's going to happen after the postseason, or or where do you stand on this spectrum? Yeah, I would like to see them fire our GM (laughs) (laughs) before we replace our coach. Um, I don't think that's going to – so the absence of that, uh, I think it'll be after the playoffs. I think we have another month maybe a month and a half. I don't think Portland's in a huge, getting me in a huge rush. I mean, this is not a team that rolls through coaches like the Kings or anything. This is a, this is an organization that gets their guy and wants to keep him there for a while. So I think they're going to take their time and I'm, I'm anticipating it'll be, I can see August, frankly. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I see it and I don't where as far as, we're going to be knocking on the door of the draft, which yes, the Blazers don't have a pick, but you kind of want to have somebody in place that kind of, you start to see what the philosophy is going to look like. You're still going to build a draft board and move on from there. But again, again, when you're looking at even just Terry Stotts, the most recent coaching hiring, he wasn't hired until early August. Mm -hmm. And so the Blazers traditionally have taken their time with, with these coaching decisions. Now, obviously it's a different league timeline when the last hire was made, you know, the drafts at the end of July. I, I think, I think the coach is going to be in place by the time there is the draft. And by the time they start making trades, just from a philosophy standpoint, they, they will want a coach to come in, have a fresh set of eyes on the roster, which I think in any interview the Blazers are having, these candidates are going to be making their pitches as far as their vision for what they, how they plan to use the pieces that the Blazers have or what they would like to do or, or moves they would like to see or the types of players they would like to come in. And in order to do that, you're going to, you're going to want to be moving that clock up to really narrow this down to a small list and then eventually hire somebody. I think too, with the Celtics having their opening, um, obviously that's a very storied franchise. That's a really attractive coaching opportunity with, uh, Tatum and Brown I think that I could see maybe Portland having a little more uh, emphasis to get a guy on board sooner rather than later if nothing else if you know they're looking at similar guys for their or, yeah. or gals Becky Hammond yeah. shout out for the for their uh, <laughs> for their uh, openings yeah I, I think the the Celtics I think the Blazers and the Celtics are kind of on the same level then I would take the rest of the the current openings mm-hmm. at a little different different pace as far as what those are uh as far as prestige and desirability uh typically the blazers job is a good job to go to i mean they're for the most part like you said this is not a franchise that turns out coaches quickly unless something has gone horribly wrong so i think it's a good job to go to i think the celtics job is a good job to go to 
I would be, my worry would be with the Celtics is you are going to have Brad Stevens over your shoulder. Brad Stevens doesn't strike me as someone who's going to Monday morning quarterback a lot of stuff, but there is potential there with him just stepping down from a coaching position. And now he's, you know, he's going to be doing the grocery shopping there moving Mm -hmm. forward. All right. We're going to leave it there. There's a lot of news here. I think everybody like the postseason, take a deep breath, realize that this is all part of the adventure. Hopefully this is the only off season we're doing this in a while. Uh, Massive upheaval is usually not a good indicator of where the franchise is going. <laughs> so enjoy the ride while you can. Uh, daydream. Feel free to to you know let those let those Mike D'Antoni dreams fly, baby. But uh, God damn it. <laughs> that's that's all I got for us, Brian. You got anything before we head out? Nah, man. Thanks for jumping on today. It's good to catch up, and oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to talking again soon. Lots to yep. talk about, man. Yep. We'll be back this week. And uh, yeah, as always, rate, review, listen to us. We we appreciate all the support. Um, quick update on my car. It definitely still smells like kimchi. So that uh, is going to be rough. That's going to be a rough situation moving forward. Uh, I think we're going to have to take it to the pros. So if you know somebody in the Portland area that details cars and gets smells out, please uh drop me a mention on twitter at steve d hoops uh i appreciate it that's all we got everybody have a good good end of your weekend thanks for listening to this episode of the hey psych we're back we we just wrapped but now we're jumping back on because as we exited uh jason kidd has withdrawn his name from consideration for the portland's job he according to adrian wojanowski the quote is uh, Lakers assistant Jason Kidd has withdrawn his name from consideration for Portland's head coaching vacancy, Kidd tells ESPN. Portland is a first-class organization and will have great candidates, but I have decided not to be one of them. Uh, I am assuming Damian Lillard's people have maybe talked to Jason Kidd, and I think uh, maybe Damian Lillard's group has done some homework on Jason Kidd's past. So, Jason Kidd's on... so full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would say... Uh, quick props to Jason Kidd's agent. Yes, you're representing a terrible human, but you are working hard to do so. So uh, congratulations. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm shocked. Are you reading this thing? It's like the public nature of Lillard's endorsement. This is coming from uh, Woj's article on ESPN. Uh, the public nature of Lillard's endorsement telling Yahoo Sports that Jason Kidd is the guy I want left Kidd feeling he would put both Lillard and Portland's process in an awkward circumstance should he pursue the opening. <laughs> I wonder... Really? Really, Jason? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I wonder if this was just a leverage play by Jason Kidd on exit interviews to, like, try to push Vogel out and try to get the Lakers job. Like, I, I just... I don't fucking Wouldn't know what's me. going on. Guy's a snake. All right. So, that said, anything we said about Jason Kidd earlier, just, you know... Take it, it with a grain of salt here, and uh, and we'll go from there. Hey, this is good news. Hey, this, great news. This hey, is good news. Trending back in the right direction. So now yeah. Mike, Mike D'Antoni has less competition to get to the head coaching spot. So that's Steve DeWald coming up winner right here, baby. I hate you, Steve. <laughs> All right. We're gone for real this time, barring another tweet in the next 30 seconds. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Trisha Roy Podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Locker Room every Saturday, bright and early, at 8 a.m. Pacific.